Starting me right in the middle of my first word, which isn't the right word. Well, I just did. It's been recording for five seconds now. (laughs) I wish I had video of that reaction. I've never seen you so spastically move. (laughs) I am not stressed in my life. (laughs) Oh, my God. Let's talk. We we, we could probably talk about this whole episode about stress. (laughs) We I probably ha- could. Uh, well, we we might need to go down that <laughs> rabbit hole for some people. That might be the topic because, oh my god, there we're all getting it right now. Because I mean, the honeymoon is over. It is. Well, uh, <laughs> do you have any positive highlights before we go <laughs> talking about that <laughs> Oh my goodness! You know, I actually. I do have some positives, and All right. I, I definitely want to talk about some stress, actually. I feel like that'll be a great topic for this, and maybe we'll veer into what we wanted to talk about. But, um, so I have, as an AP, you know, there's many roles, especially at the high school. I do, it feels like a bajillion things, and I know teachers do the same thing, and I did the same thing when I was obviously, you know, teaching, but it's the, it's the the wideness <laughs> it's the width of the what i do right that is the most interesting and by far the most challenging aspect of what i do but one of the things i was able to do this week is at the beginning of the week i did so i'm over two departments um as well as the sophomores but my two departments that i'm over are world languages and ela the district wanted to do walks, and so we kind of scheduled it with myself, um, the content, like the the department chair, and a district representative. And we did the world language walks, and it was really fascinating. And I felt really validated throughout the whole process because as this the listeners of this show know – and as anyone who's read Rightfully Empowered knows, anyone who has listened to enough of Teach Me Teacher knows is I am not a grammar Nazi. In fact, I I, I talk about how grammar is not nearly as important as people think it is. Um, in terms of student learning, doesn't mean it's not important. It just means that it's 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 doesn't have to be at the forefront of every single conversation. And here's the thing. My world languages walks. Guess what they started talking about? They started talking about how they don't want kids and teachers focusing on grammar. And in fact, that is considered old ways of teaching language. And really what they want is to see more in context application from student to student and real world work. And I went, my workshop bells were going off and I was like, what? And then she was started talking and talked about how they in, in traditional kind of language classes, you know, Spanish, French, German, or whatever, and they, they would do a lot of, uh, you know, conjugation out of out of context. They would do a lot of vocab work out of context. They would do a lot of grammar out of context. And the department chair, he's the French teacher, and he's amazing. He's one of my favorite people on campus. He cracks me up, and he has such a, a wide skill set when it comes to teaching uh foreign language. And he talked about, he goes, you know what I've been doing this year is he goes, 
He goes, I, so I, what I've been doing, he goes, I've been teaching the language and I haven't been teaching grammar until the end of a specific unit. And he goes, guess what? They already pretty much know the grammar because we've been looking at it the whole time. I just haven't been stressing it. Now there's some tweaks that I need to do, but they're getting it by proxy. And just by reading and speaking the language. And I'm sitting here going, what on earth? So I felt super validated in in that conversation because I was like, English teachers crucify me on the regular, including my most closest partner, Pam Ochoa, talks huh? about – I'm just kidding – but talks about <laughs> – you know, uh, that I'm like the renegade and it's, I've said it in trainings, I've said it on podcasts and I have most definitely felt the heat from people as I diminish just a little bit of the importance of grammar. And here's these world language people saying, oh yeah, we don't, we want to, we want to teach it of course, but we want to teach it within context, within practice. And I'm like, let's go. I was, it was so validating to me in a whole different content um, with a with a whole different purpose, but the whole the whole idea of language acquisition is that authentic that that in kind of the weeds, right? I mean, we talk about this all the time in when we talk about language acquisition is that you can learn the best way to learn a language is to be engrossed in the language, right? Is to live mm-hmm. among the people who speak the language. This is why we have trouble um, on campuses where kids might be studying. Uh, you know, they might be learning the language at school, but when they go home, they're only talking in their home language. So English acquisition can kind of be a struggle for those students who only hear English at schools. Now, it's not impossible, but that development happens just a little bit slower. And so my brain was just like ticking and twirling with all of these, the 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 ideas for English. And I'm like, man, like this is such a fascinating piece because and it makes sense. It makes sense why I saw so much success getting kids to write well, speak well and read well by not stressing kind of the, just the, the bare basics of things at all times. Now it doesn't mean I ignore them entirely. You always got to put that disclaimer out there, but it's the, it's the, just the, we learn how to write by writing. We learn how to read by reading. Now, there are some things that get in the way. We have to have some targeted instruction. But by and large, the way kids come to write well is to write often. Kids will not write often if they are constantly following step-by-step processes. The hamburger essay, the five-paragraph essay, the Following the whole mantra of your body paragraph has to have this first, then this, then this. That is like a recipe for getting kids to write as little as possible, but fitting inside a box. And I just thought it was so fascinating. It, it was the it was by far the most interesting thing that happened to me this week. And I was just I was in love with it. One, I love doing the walks. I loved my ELA walks too. Um that was a little bit more typical, though, because that was kind of what I knew. I think the the world languages was different because it was just something I had I had never done really world mm-hmm. language walk. So um, it was interesting to hear that perspective and watch different teaching styles. But you know, I still I love classrooms. I love classroom teaching. We did walks today with the ELA. It took about two hours. Um, we didn't hit every teacher either, but we we gave significant time. We went into a bunch of classrooms. 
And my other AP that was with me, she was like, oh, my God, two hours. Like, she, by the end of it, she was over. And I was like, let's get two hours more. Like, I could watch teaching and be in classrooms all freaking day. It's I don't, I don't get to do it enough um, as an AP, honestly. But um, – it's exciting. So there's there's my my positive is that it was it, it was such a unique experience. I don't know. Well, I think that's pretty cool. I mean, I agree. I think it needs to be done in context. Mm-hmm. Now today I taught grammar today. How'd you do that? How'd I do it? In uh, isolation. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Well, I mean, well, hey, if you're good, I mean, if you yeah, did, I, I want to know lesson. what you did. Yeah, I had a mini lesson. I taught them. It's something that I was I learned in Abydos, but uh, we're now about to we're about to edit peer edit our our papers. The kids have been typing them for the last few days. They're, they're they created stories and stuff, and so they're about they're typing them, starting to get them ready for editing. Well, how can you edit if they don't know what they're editing for? So, uh, so we've been working on some dialogue and commas and, you know, end marks and stuff like that. So we talked about the power of the comma today and uh, how the end marks are more powerful. But when, you know, we talked about compound sentences and things, but the way I did it is I did the, the four major rules of a comma. And uh, you can find this in the, in teaching of acts. That's where I picked it up. But then I just kind of tweak it for my own, you know, make it not so dry, if you will. And uh, but what's really fascinating is um, the response, especially in my honors class. They are like with me. They they you know they we talk about the four rules. I started with the compound, you know, and the coordinating conjunction and and all of that. Well, at the same time, the other day because we're doing Jeff Anderson's patterns of power, and so I talked to him about the fact that language has patterns, and so. From my old days, you know, when I first started teaching and and when I was teaching in um, actually junior lit, uh, we had to teach from the grammar book as well. I mean, it was required. And so they, they gave us, back then I learned the five major sentence patterns. And so I showed those up there and, you know, it's subject plus verb. It's, it's things that every, most everybody knows. So I have those sitting up there and then I put these five, four comma styles right next to it on my board because, you know, it's my whiteboard and I'm writing all over it. Well, then um, what was really cool about it is I could take the sentences, the sentence patterns and put them in here. And so they could see how we can combine sentences, we can separate them and we can put stuff inside of them and all of that. And then we read and as we were reading, we were I was pointing out uh, we were reading The Outsiders because we've been doing that for a while. But anyway, I started pointing. I said, look at this. What rule is this? And so then they would go up and go, oh, look, she just used rule number two there. And I mean, so it was really kind of cool. that. So so really, it was kind of isolated at first. But then we immediately applied it to the reading. So I made sure it was at a point where then we did uh, read aloud afterwards. And so the kids would, we would I'd pause every once in a while, like when they use the semicolon because I taught them about uh, how a semicolon um, is used where that I told them that that dot really takes the place of the of the coordinating conjunction, you know, the the dot above the comma, because you already have your comma there, and then we get rid of it. So I compared it to the apostrophe, and they already knew that apostrophes take the place of letters, like had not, hadn't, you know, takes the place of the O. So I kind of just talked to them like that, and then they were all like, 
Oh, yeah. And then when they were able to repeat, but they were actually able to identify the different rules uh, that the author was using periodically. Because I would stop and say, okay, what rules do you see in this paragraph? And so they would stop and, I mean, we read, but we would just stop periodically, not not like every paragraph, what'd you do? You know, we didn't parse all of the sentences, but we would just read. And then every once in a while, when it was a clear um uh, connection, I would stop and say, so what are y'all noticing? You know, that kind of thing. So it it wasn't um, the patterns of power. It was, you know, my approach, but then you, you do that with Jeff Anderson, you know, pointing out a good sentence, but we were just pointing out how the authors are using uh, commas in their sentences. So I thought, I thought it was good. And then on Monday, that's what they're going to do. They're going to insert, they're going to go through all of their they're writing, and they're going to look at those four rules and see, are they using them correctly? Do they need to add commas in some places? What do they need to do and get it ready for editing? See, and I think that is, a, I think that's a, a really good way to do that because you have, because it's also, when you think about the authentic task of writers. And I, every time I talk about this, like, what does it mean to be a writer? I think about our conversation where we were like in the parking lot of the <laughs> campus we were at and we were just spitballing like all the authentic things that writers go through. Right. Mm-hmm. And that meant we went from everything from the battle of the blank page to coming up with ideas to writing compellingly all the way to having editors and being an editor and all this other stuff and writing for specific audiences and our part of our conversation was that when the, we talked about this too on the podcast where how Nancy Atwell serves as like the last like copy editor almost to her students or at least she did when she wrote in the middle right um, she advocated for that and i actually really like that practice i think it's interesting um but this process of having students do it i think it's the same thing right we can we can read as readers we can read as writers we can also read as editors we can read as critiquers, right? It's almost like the the next half of what I've always preached, right? Read like a writer, read like mm-hmm. a reader. There's there's more ways to read, right? And there's and there's mm-hmm. more ways to read in uh a variety of professions. And so having kids even practice that to where, you know, where it's not just okay, now we have to peer at it. It's you know, here's what we're going to do now to, to see how well we're, we're doing these things where it's not always necessarily like the capstone to something. It's the, it's a process that's brought in depending on what's going on, what type of writing we're doing. Um, and even now I'm thinking of, you know, if you have kids like doing speeches or something, you know, having kids just be that that type of editor to where you're not really editing the content, but you're editing, you know, the the flow of something, the the delivery of something. And I don't know. I think there's an interesting thread there to explore for anyone who's interested in a in kind of authentic practice. But before we go on, we're 15 minutes in and I want to tell I want to tell people that this is a bonus episode, you guys. We're gonna release this literally 
In a few minutes. 30 minutes after we get done recording. Um, because time gets away from us, but we have to do a bonus episode a month. So we wanted to, and we want to, right? It's not really a have to. It's we want to. It's just time gets away. Things go on. And then Ochoa and I message each other and go, we got to get this done. So that's what we're doing tonight. And it's a nice little, I, honestly, I've come to really love the bonus episodes because... You know, sometimes when we're talking to a broader audience, to anyone that can download, it's, uh, you know, we don't know who we're going to get. So we have to qualify a lot of statements. We have to do this. People that join the Patreon and people that support us, um, that you know, it's like they're our little crew. I feel like we yeah, can. Yeah, they're our we, friends. Yeah, we can have a little bit more authentic conversations. And, you know, we've gotten some feedback from them that it's a it's a comforting conversation just having us be there. And we feel the same the, in, in a way to where we can. Just turn on the microphone, have good old teacher conversations, and then share it for you guys as a bonus, really, as a as a connection to you all. But that's only possible because y'all support us, and our Patreon list is growing. We're about to be at our next goal, which we need to talk about that at some point. But uh, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have to really evaluate some life choices here soon, which is a good problem to have because there's so many of y'all who are wanting to support us, which is amazing. But that is Alicia, Brandy, Leah, Mark, Amy, Rebecca, Courtney, Carol, Nalissa, Destiny, Lori, Natalie, Susan, Tracy, Andrea, and Hannah. Everyone that just mentioned supports Hi, us. Hannah. So yes, shout out to Hannah. She is our brand new supporter over there. Hopefully she's enjoying all the Patreon content, but shout out to everyone else who, you know, y'all support really does keep us going. And, you know, it's, it, it, it might seem uh, easy to turn on microphones and talk for an hour every single week, but, you know, believe it or not, we don't always want to turn on microphones and talk about certain things, you know, it is, what it is but once we get into the zone, we get excited about it. It's one of those things, you know, it's well, like, speak for yourself, Chastain. <laughs> this is what I love doing. <laughs> I do love it. It's just one of those. I'm teasing. Sometimes you just want to go hide in a hole. You know, it's the, like, it's Friday night for us where it's just like, it's like, oh, well. And then once I get here and I turn it on, I'm good to go. I could talk forever. And that's just, that's why I keep doing this stuff. But in any case, I don't know. Do we, do we want to talk about how stressed we're feeling? Is that, is that what we want to talk about? Cause you, you expressed some stuff before we came on, but I have like a whole mess of things that. I've had a very stressful like last two weeks, and so I'm just living the dream, as they say. Um, yeah, and I think the kids are getting stressed. They're starting to have deadlines that they've never had before. Some of them, yeah, uh, at least in uh, you know the our our whole entire you know we're not doing six weeks. We went to to quarters, and that's our first time to do that. And so. But the actual state eligibility is still set up in six weeks. And so uh, all of our grades are due at different times and pressures at different times. And the kids just had their eligibility pulled from some of them because they didn't meet their deadlines. And so now some of them are stressed and angry about the fact they're not in football anymore. And that just leads more stress to the teacher's. So, yeah, it's kind of a stressful moment right now. I don't know if anybody else is feeling that. I'm sure they are. You know, it was funny. One of the biggest points of feedback that we got on our last episode titled The Honeymoon is Over. <laughs> yeah, was, uh... I think that was already starting. <laughs> the stress. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's why that title, because I think I might have been stressed. Maybe my honeymoon's over. Well, and, you know, I we're experiencing it, too. You know, it's over in our neck of the woods. Like, you know, things are normalizing. Deadlines are coming in, like you said. There's, there's a lot of stuff going on. But for this, I don't know. It, it is a weird time. And it's so something. What? Go ahead. No, so what was that feedback? Because I interrupted you. Oh yeah, so our the one of the one of the biggest pieces of feedback was uh, was people messaging me going, "All right, when are you opening that school?" Because I had mentioned that I was like, you know, when it's when it's the Chastain Academy or whatever it gets named, the Literacy Academy, whatever happens, you know, people were like, "Let's go," and that that just feed you know that tells me two things. It tells me one, people are feeling the stress as well where they are, and two. I might be on the right path here. If you know that when when there's a will, there's a need, or the, when there's whatever that's when there's is. a need, there's a will. Yeah, and so you know that is a part of what I want to do, and that's I that's some of the the more important things. The, honestly, the most important thing I do as an admin is is going to sit with teachers. You know, I sat with a teacher who I adore, by the way. She's incredible. I actually asked her if she would come on the show at some point when she gets a little bit more comfortable. She's she's new to the campus, but she's not new to teaching. But she's very workshop oriented. She was doing kind of the the Lucy Calkins, um program. I know Lucy hates to hear that it's called that program, but that's what it is. There's definitely program aspects um, to that. What's that called again? It's called... Uh, do you know what it's called? Lucy Calkins... Whatever it's it's called, I want to. I keep wanting to say it's the acts of teaching, but it's not. No, it's not the acts of teaching. Units of study. There we go. So uh, units of study. Yeah, I don't have that. I have, I have one of her newer book. Then the, I mean, not when I say newer book, it's really the oldest book. Yeah, her first book. So they the so we got some of these teachers from the middle school, our feeder school, and they did units of study in there and she was she has been, you know, expressing that, you know, she's she's struggling a little bit through uh moving workshop to high school. Some of the kids she had already taught, right? Because it's only one feeder school, which she was excited about. But there are some changes. And there's also just dynamics of you're going to a high school team that where high school teachers generally don't do workshop, and it's not really their fault. They just haven't been workshop trained. And so there's a lot of misconceptions about it. So they're trying to navigate co-worker things and also navigate new curriculum and different standards and navigate you know all these different things. And I went in there and just sat and we just talked for you know probably 30 minutes. And I just looked at her and I said, you know, come Monday, what could you do Monday starting off to to reset your workshop, to get back, to, to get back to what you're excited about, to get you excited to, to be in your space and to do all of these things and... We it was just a good conversation. I feel like there's there's a part of that that I really do 
genuinely love about what I'm doing right now is I get to I get to be what a lot of people have been in my life is they just set me free. They took the the constraints off me, whether they were artificial or self-imposed or imposed by someone else. And they said, Chastain, just go. What do you want to do? And do it. No one's looking over you. And you know, I get I get the bonus thing and be like, I'm your appraiser. Who's gonna <laughs> like <laughs> that's true. I'm your person. Like, and it doesn't matter. And we we're it's not like we're we're bucking the system. It's it's how do you work within the system? And so that is a part of that. But the the thing that I've been struggling with is the sheer amount of other things that I have to do. And I've, you know, and I've made some mistakes and I've had some moments where I've had to, you know, really be humbled because I spent, you know, the last like three, four years being really good at what I did. Nothing really was questioned. A lot of people just listened to what I had to say because I generally had the correct answer, at least on the right path. And so admin would come to me about stuff and I would voice my concerns or my support and they'd be like, okay. And we just went forward. Um, That is not the case when you change roles, change to high school, change districts and everything else. There's a lot of learning curves. I spent a lot of my time going what is this? What does this mean? Um, and asking questions. And so that has led to some interesting growth, but that's, it's stressful, right? And I, I just think it makes me think of early teachers who sometimes the weight of what we do, right? Because imagine Ochoa, you're, you're, you voice some concerns about your class and you have some definite challenges with the group of kids that you have this year. And Imagine being a first-year teacher, a second-year teacher, and a third-year teacher in the environment that you have now. How many, I mean, what would that stress level be like if you put yourself in that situation? Well, it would be pretty high. I mean, it, it would be one of those where, well, let's just do it this way. Put me in there with the skills that I had when I first started or the lack thereof. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I could have maintained. I, I might not have. You know, we have a a teacher shortage, but I mean, I think the reason I'm able to do what I can do is all of that experience behind me and all of those things. So so I'm able to pull some things out of kids that some people might not can get. My style might not be like everybody else's, but I do have some skill, right? So yeah, you put me in there without a polished skill. I mean, some people are just natural at it, but uh, very few. It, I mean, you have to work at it in order to be, to really be good. And, um, and these kids are there. I've got some great, great kids. I really do. And they're fun and I enjoy them. And then I've got a, a, a small handful of them that, you know, I want to buck the system, but I think they're they are, don't know if they're victims of their environment. I don't know if it's because they um, just happen to be together and their personalities have created this. Because I do know that there are classes of kids that come along and they have their own little culture, their own little, um, you know, personality, if you will. And not every, I mean, even during the day, you know, when you have several different classes, the way these kids blend together, the way they blend together and everything 
is, um, you know, makes up for a different kind of personality. And so sometimes the teacher doesn't mesh with that personality or they do. And so you got to be flexible and you got to figure out what to do in that situation. And my cat is like consistent. She's bouncing around. <laughs> it's like, I guess she's missed me today. So anyway, uh, but the, yeah, the thing is, uh, I don't know if I can make it in, in with some of the issues. And when you're talking about paperwork, there's so, there's so many more demands than there were 30 years ago as far as paperwork goes and documentation. I saw I saw a thing today on someone's computer and it said no data, it didn't happen. And I mean, well, that's not necessarily true. I mean, it did happen. Talk it's about just pressure. it didn't get Yeah, and so it's like okay, but what if 5 days have gone by and I've been so busy I didn't get that written down? Do you still well, count it as data? So here's, I want to talk about that for a hot second because this is part of, you know, I have, I, we've documented loosely um, through kind of COVID and, and post COVID and whatnot about how we navigated the demands of teaching with pandemic stuff. And we've even talked about how our admin at the time navigated and we sat in conversations, you know, as a, as a department chair for two and a half years, I had um, conversations where uh, with our leadership team, where they struggled to push forward initiatives because they felt like they were just, it was just one more thing was going to break people. But at the same time, it was we had things to do. We were at a campus that was nearly about to get taken over by the state. And so that is a, a fine line to walk in any circumstance, but it's a fine line to walk during, you know, just this immense pressure. And as we kind of evolved out of that, it's it's almost like this feeling of uh I don't know. It is it is a weird phenomenon. And I'm sure there'll be stuff written about this later on and maybe someone will make sense of it. Maybe someone already has and our listeners can send us an article about it or something. But there is this phenomenon that this pandemic, despite the fact that most things, especially where we are, right? We can't speak to everywhere, but where we are, things are pretty normal, right? There's really no mm-hmm. remnants of COVID era things, but except for one thing, and that is this stress level, the remnants that show up in weird areas. So like the group of kids that you're teaching are the kids that got impacted the most socially and emotionally because of COVID restrictions that kept them at home for a long period of time. Well, yeah, I'm going to, if you don't mind me adding to that, but this particular group of kids, they were what, third or fourth grade when all this happened? Yeah, they missed out on like So so they missed on, because the one thing about, and I know we have quite a few elementary uh, listeners, uh, teacher listeners, and the thing is, it's those elementary years that set up and teach these kids how not just how to read and write and do math and do all these other things, but teaches them how to socialize, teaches them how to actually do school and what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And they set all that up. It's almost like a, a child who uh, was 
abandoned, if you will, their first four years of life. And then finally they, you know, they're in a system and they finally get adopted. Well, they're going to have these abandonment issues. And it's because there's, you know, because that's their formational period. That's the time that they're forming their attitudes and their beliefs about school. Well, these kids were at home. So when did they get to, you know, so it's, it's fractured at best. Their, um, their ability to actually do school. You know what I mean? It's almost like PTSD comes in. I did that. Pro- yeah, I did that. I never get that one right. But we have so many acronyms, PDA, PDSA, PDA. You know, I don't even know if I'm trying to do yeah, one. Their PDSA okay, is, that- is really affecting them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, if they're post-traumatic stress syndrome, right? You know, those types of things. I mean, it's almost like it just, like you said, when you said shows up in random ways, that's what that's where my brain went just now. And I think that's what happens. And they're used to, some of these kids are used to being at home by themselves all day because mom and dad had to go work. You know, they were the, at least at, at our uh, economic level, I mean, those kids, those parents were the ones that were still at the grocery store trying to figure out you know, or wherever it is they work. But you know what I'm saying? They, yeah, they, they were the frontline workers. They, they were the frontline workers. They didn't workers. get to go home. That's right. But their children couldn't go to school. So what right. did they do with them? They sat at home right. and expected them to learn from a computer. But there was nobody, you know, I mean, I remember one, there was one uh, student that I had on, you know, she, and her her mom was there. Her grandma was there. I think she was staying with the grandma. And then the mom came in, but they were, they had chickens in the house. There was a chicken. I remember <laughs> she's like, look, here's my chicken. And they could hardly speak English. I had and someone that showed me a chicken too. Did you really? I did. No kidding. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. And then they were, they were, uh, but, but the house, they had like three or four little kids running behind her. I mean, how does she have in school with a chicken and a dog and a, this is my pet and this is my farm animal. I don't know. It was the, I was like, oh, that's so good. You know, and then they couldn't really speak English very well. And so this is what their COVID life, their formative elementary years were like. Well, and here's the thing, right? And this is, this is where, as an admin, I, I really do try to be cognizant of this because it's something that, you know, I try to practice what I preach and it's, it's very difficult at times. And one of the things that's occurred is teachers are still feeling the remnants of this, right? Kids mm-hmm. are struggling with work in different ways than they've ever struggled before. They've mm-hmm. um, at the high school level, for instance, one of the big things is they, so we have, uh, like for exemptions, right? To be exempt from finals, um, you can't have more than two absences. Doesn't matter any reason. Now they they walk that back a little bit and said, okay, if it's a doctor's note or if it's like an actual medical thing, then that's okay. But two absences, non-excused, or eight tardies, okay, that ruins your exemptions from this. And parents, students. Everyone flipped their minds, but despite the fact that this was the policy before COVID, right? But it's been some time, um, and it's been interesting to, to weather that storm. But also, I sit with teachers, and I, I go to PLCs often, and I just sit. And often, I'm just there as a, either a sounding board, uh, uh, 
voice of inspiration. I'm never controlling the PLCs. I let our our uh, level leads do that entirely. But what I hear often is, I'm just I'm just never been this behind. I'm I'm I feel like I'm I'm treading water at all times. I feel like this. I feel like this. <clears throat> and teachers feel this pressure in so many ways. And that's why I was saying it's an interesting phenomenon because. It's not easy to point at any one thing, right, mm-hmm. that's causing this. Now, there, in some instances, it is like, you know, behavior or something like that. But it's the conglomeration of a bunch of different things that are happening that are causing a lot of stress in a variety, in a variety of ways. It's It's causing teachers to feel overwhelmed. And when you're overwhelmed and you're stressed, you're, you're not – at your best. You're not teaching your best. You're not taking risk. You're not trying new things. You're just trying to kind of get through the days. And I've had that. I've had those moments, right? I've had moments where I'm like, you know what? <laughs> this week is just going to be kind of a wash because I'm, I just can't even comprehend trying to be innovative right now. And, mm-hmm. um, as I got better and more secure that I could manage that a little bit better, but I still had those moments. And as someone who really does want to support teachers and be there for them and be that admin in their life where they're like, you know what? I had a lot of bad admin in my life, but Jacob was the one who really, you know, protected my space, allowed me to be a professional, allowed me to do these things and, and, and encouraged me and supported me when I needed to. That's, that's the comments that I want. That's difficult because there's times where I have to push something there, right? There's times where I have to have, I have to have difficult conversations every once in a while. And I have to have, um, you know, I am a voice of a district to a degree and you have to just be able to navigate that while also trying to support people. And it's, it's extremely challenging, but it's it's also the same concept of what you were talking about, you know, an episode or two ago where you were talking about, you know, navigating just what people are asking of you at the district level, at the campus level, but also trying to do what's right by kids. Sometimes in the admin role, it's like I have to try to whatever actions I do has to trickle down to a positive experience for kids. That's like my whole goal. But there's so many there's so many middlemen that when I get behind on that work because I have eight referrals that come in. We caught a kid vaping in the bathroom or the other day a kid vaped literally in the middle of class while I was doing oh walks. Goodness. And the teacher goes, um, Mr. Chastate, I need you. And so I had to stop <laughs> and go and do that, right? That happens. And that's and that's not including the parent emails and the counselor emails and the the stuff that happens. You know, we have uh, a side kind of a tech school that kids go to, you know, like the vocational stuff that they go to, the kids can get in trouble there, which happens a day. And so it all piles up and I have to be able to manage the stuff I know is most impactful for students, but also manage the stuff that is most impactful for the campus. They don't, those don't always align. Um, there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes. And I feel like this is what the same thing for teachers is teachers, have to manage a lot to make sure that things run well, but that what you're doing in the back doesn't always trickle down to deeper student learning to, to make sure that you're in good standing. Sometimes that means doing certain vocabulary work that might be 
less than ideal, but you have to do it in order to kind of be in good standing. So it doesn't trickle down. So it just causes, it causes a gap between what you need to do and what you have to do and what you want to do. And then you just, and then on top of that, this, this weird post COVID era, anxiety, stress, pressure that everyone from kids all the way up to the top of districts feeling, it's a weird sensation. And, you know, I post all the time on social media, and it's it's probably the one thing that I'm glad I do often is I talk about how much I love my job and I love my work, and I still do 1,000%. I don't want to do anything else with my life than rather be in education. But good God, is it hard. <laughs> like, it's just... <laughs> I had I had um I had a kid today. She goes, Somebody said, Toa, when are you gonna retire? I mean, like, when can you retire? Because I would retire already if if I was close. Just doing what you're doing, you know, just just being a teacher. That seems hard. And I go, Well, actually I could have retired six years ago. And then one of the other kids says, Why didn't you? <laughs> You know, and I don't think they were doing it to be me. This was actually a real conversation. And I said, well, because I enjoy what I do, you know. And so then another kid, another girl, she goes, oh, so you really do like kids. It's it's not it's not for show. And I went, no, I really generally like kids, especially when they learn and grow and listen and, you know, do everything I ask them to do now. I'm not saying I don't always like the misbehavior sometimes, but that doesn't mean I don't like the kid. It just means I don't like the behavior. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. You know, <laughs> so, so you know, even the kids are like, Miss Ochoa, I'd retire. <laughs> I mean, they even notice that it's hard. <laughs> you know what's so funny is I was just having a conversation. It was after an ARD. And I just kind of sat and talked. That's one of the benefits of doing what I do, too, is I talk to so many like professionals in the building and at a high school is just so many more that do different things. You know, it's, it's such a varied campus, right? I mean, we're, we got like 2,600 students, 2,500 students, something like that. It's a huge campus. Um, because of that, there's a lot of people that work there and I've got to talk to a lot of really interesting people who I just, I adore so many of them because they're, they're intelligent. They, they're passionate. Um, Anyway, that was a digression. Point is, we were having kind of like a just, it was, it was like the, I don't know, it was like two o'clock. We we're just kind of having a conversation <clears throat> after a, a somewhat long meeting. And they had brought up that we were talking about just like taking on jobs and talking about like the money attached. And one of the, the person I was talking to had said that she had put in for the job that I got, right? An assistant principal. And I was like, oh, I'm oh. sorry. <laughs> like, I'm and she goes, no. She goes, she goes, no. She goes, honestly, after she goes, I put in for it because, you know, and she listed her own reasons. And she was like, honestly, I'm very thankful that I didn't get it. I think my path was a little bit different. And I was like, oh, I totally get that. I was like, I've, you know, I've put in for things before that I didn't get. And. Um, even when I've gotten stuff like as a literacy coach, I was like, ah, you know, this, this isn't necessarily the exact path I want to go or something like that. And I had, I had said that, and I told my wife this, that, uh, you know, when I got the assistant principal job, it was, I told her, you know, don't get used to the raise. Cause I don't know, I might be back in the classroom before you know it. You know what I mean? Like it was just, right. it's just because I didn't, money isn't my be all end all. I do love my raise. It's very nice. I've, 
it's already helped me in some aspects and it you know any 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 time you get more money it just allows for more f- home flexibility life planning all that stuff right mm-hmm. um which is amazing and this is definitely the biggest raise i've ever gotten since i became a teacher right my bit working kind of a basic job to become a teacher was my biggest raise and then from a teacher to an ap was obviously the next biggest um and so the money is interesting, and I I love it, and I it verifies that teachers should get paid more a thousand percent. But um, I I'm not so attached to it, and I don't live a life that is so contingent on it that I'm a I'm a slave to the dollar in that way. I mean I'm mm-hmm. I'm a slave to the dollar like everyone else. Like I pay taxes, I have to pay my mortgage, I have to do all that stuff. But I live in a way that it's really not the be all end all. And I I choose to do that for a reason. And we were having that conversation and I said, you know, if you, cause she does like a higher level, but she was having a conversation about missing. She was a, a special education teacher who did, um, you know, the, uh, I'm going blank on the word, but it's where, uh, the, the kids are just in that class all day. Right. Oh Um, yeah. And so she was like, I love it. She was like, I, I love it. She was she specifically, specifically, she loves speech. She loves teaching kids how to advocate for themselves, whether they are um, so special needs that they, they really need help with language or they're nonverbal. Her passion is teaching kids basically how to advocate for themselves and be functional and, and have that level of speech. And I was like, I was like, that's wonderful. And I, I told her, I said, I said, that's really, I love your passion. I was like, would you ever go back? And she thought about it. And I said, I said, well, my question, I asked her if she would go back. I said, is the money so much that you couldn't ever go back is what I asked. And she goes, she goes, no. She goes, I don't, she goes, I don't get paid nearly what I do. And I was like, well, really no one does in public education. I was like, that's just kind of the life we live. But, um, you know, she had that talk and she goes, no. She goes, as much as I miss it, I still feel called to do to on to kind of the next level and, and to take this and improve this and, and kind of step there. And, you know, I just think that is, those are such interesting conversations because education is so, and I've, I've had this, uh, debate in my brain, even as early as like this week where I'm like, am I being as effective or can I be as effective as an admin as I was as a teacher? You know, I see, my favorite thing in the world, like I'm very fortunate that I can build relationships and I have kids like we were doing walks today and I had kids come up to me all like I would walk into a class and they'd be like, Oh, Chastain's here. Right. So at that moment I'm still mm-hmm. building those. And I, and it, it's very interesting that I could do that. And I'm very thankful for that. But it's also like, man, I just, I, I look at this yearbook that's next to me right now. It's filled with the most heartfelt letters I've ever had from students. And I'm like, I don't know if I'll ever have that as an AP. And that's a, that's a hard conversation to have with yourself. It's like, where Mm -hmm. are you most effective? Where do you get most fulfillment? And we had that conversation and my, this goes, I'm finally making it back to why I went on this tangent where my, another AP looked at me when I said, when I was talking about money's not my be all end all. She said, that's interesting. She goes, she goes, your generation meaning mine, she goes, y'all are very focused on like life. Like you're not so dedicated to work. Like work isn't at the core of what you do. It's, it's like work is second. It's like, what can you do 
to make money so you can kind of live your life. And I just, you know, and I've been criticized for this before, but I was like, work is my purpose. I love work. I absolutely love it. And I don't know where it comes from. I think some of it stems from my family trying to freeload as drug addicts, honestly, on a lot of stuff and, and get away with doing as little as possible. And I just, I just found so much meaning in my work and anything I've ever done, whether I was a cashier at Walgreens or, or teaching or being an admin, I've had so I, I just find so much meaning in serving and really supporting people and, and trying to do my best. And that's, uh, that's just what drives me. And that's what, that's what really focuses me on stuff. But it raises interesting questions in terms of, you know, how do I, how do I use that drive to focus to help other people? And, and how do I keep going? I don't know. I don't know where on earth this is going, but I'm going to stop on that tangent because I'm just... I'm kind of like self-reflecting at this point, but I don't know. <laughs> Chime in. What, I don't take any thread you want, and we could probably any close thread? this one out. I feel like oh. I went for a long time there. Oh, that's okay. I think uh, I think we're all feeling it. Probably, I think the kids are feeling, um, you know, the a little bit of the stress. I think we're all having deadlines. Uh, you know, Monday I have my my pre-conference with uh, my administrator and I'm going to tell him what I think. And <laughs> you're going to lay down the law. I will lay down the law. Are you being observed it. this year again? Lord, I, it almost looks like it. What? You're not on a waiver? I don't, I don't think so. I'm going to say anything to me about a waiver. So how would oh, I know? Oh my God. Don't I'm you. telling you, I'm you? the only one <laughs> in the entire <laughs> I was so certain. I was like, you you still, you know, you had your observation last year. I'm like, surely this next one. The entire 33 years, I have not ever had a waiver. That's wild. I might have had a waiver once, but then they moved me, so it didn't count. Because I had that waiver at Smithfield when I was over there. Right? And then they decided to pick me up and move me to Northridge, so it all started all over again. I've never had a waiver. Yeah, I guess because you leave and then, uh-huh. and then you and then you left as an academic coach for. Or they move me to years. another because I can do so much. They move me to different places. That's wild. Every time they move me, they go, "Oh, I'm sorry, it's a new, it's a new uh, field for you." So. We have to we have to do an evaluation. I'm like, but hang on, you had me here two years ago. What does it matter? You've had me here for nine years. You sure you don't know how I teach by now? In five different subjects. By the way, not to derail you even more, but I had a derail me. My T test uh, that I just did. So what my observation was on a teacher who's a she's a 31 year teacher, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, which is so funny to watch a teacher do that because she she's so good at what she does. She is literally so good, and I I loved her class, and it was awesome, and um, it was a, it was a joy to do it. But she is connected to our old English coordinator, okay, who went off and did something. So she has those connections, and she she's connected to a lot of the same people that that you and I are, she has a lot of connections to that district. So it was, it was really fascinating to, to have that conversation and to be, you know, a 31 year old administrator going through this process with someone who's been teaching as long as I've been alive. <laughs> so it was, 
You know, it's, well, it's think, just interesting. I think that's what I'm about to go through. Probably, tell him yeah, what for I think. sure. You I'm should tell him what I think. That's I'm what she tell did. Him. She just looked at me and she goes, Chastain, I know what I know what this is. Just click the buttons. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much me. <laughs> I'm like, just give me one of those distinguished and I'll move on. <laughs> give me proficient. Just don't, don't, don't give me unacceptable. That's I don't want to go that's down that a route. Word on the T test. Okay. Yeah. Well, it was the one on one, one time. Yeah. Anyway, developing and oh, developing. Needs don't give me development. Needs improvement. That's it. I don't want needs improvement. Needs improvement is the naughty one. That means. Well, that's probably the one I don't want. That's year one Chastain. All needs improvement. That's what I had. <laughs> well, I've, I've been there too. But no, I, yeah. So, but Monday I have my meeting. And um, so we had to get all of our goals in. You know how you have to do all that. So pre-conference, I don't know if we all have to have one, whether we're being waived or not. I have no idea. You know, you know that I've never been T-test trained. I know, I know we're, we're closing out and, but speaking on T-test training, I wonder if, and our Patreon listeners can, can chime in as they always do. You know, they're the only ones hearing this is, uh, is that something people would be interested? I know not everyone's in Texas, but I would totally love to talk about that process because I've been doing it in my own practice. You've gone through so many different observations. I've had good observations. You've had good observations. I've had bad observations. You've had bad observations. Yeah. And just talking about that, if people are curious about that and and just from the perspective of kind of going through that, I would love to have that conversation just because that's kind of what I've been thinking about. And it's having the nuances of being a part of it and now doing it. Um, there's a lot of things that I wish admin did for me that I'm trying to do for my newer teachers. And like I sat with one today where we really broke down parts of the rubric and I explained how even though your lesson might be great, according to this, it might not show that necessarily. Um, and I think that's an interesting conversation. So if people are interested in that. We can, if they don't care, if they're like, God, that's the last thing we want. Then you just, you just ignore that <laughs> idea and we'll never talk about it. I'll probably talk about it on teach me teacher though. But, um, in any case, Ms. Ochoa, what's a final thought? Let's close out on this a bonus episode. Thought. What's a final thought for teachers? If they're, maybe they're feeling stressed, they're listening to this and they're like, thank God I'm not alone. Um, that even though, you know, you and I, we have fun and we love what we do probably more than anything else. And we have fun on the podcast and we're laughing all the time. We still feel stressed and we have moments of turmoil. Uh, you know what I got, I had such hard moments where I was like, I, uh, I just really questioned everything I've ever done this last week. Really, truly. Um, so people who might be in that same boat, what, what's, what's a final note for them? Well, well, I, I did actually cry this week. I'll, I'll just go ahead and tell my, uh, if you don't mind, if we have a second, sure, I don't know. Go ahead. But, um, you know, I, I had, a, I had a rough moment, um, Wednesday and it was, it was bad and there was something I missed and some kids were mad, mean to another kid. Okay. I'm not going to go any further than that. The whole point is I had to do something and I had to leave my room to do it. So I, I got somebody from the hallway that she was, she's one of our support teachers. She was going to the next door, but I asked her to step into mine. So I went down to the, you know, everybody was gone. Cause one of the things 
is during lunch, there's they're never there. You can't get help during lunch. You just you just can't because they're down there dealing with all 150 of them at the same time, you know, or more, however many there are. Um, but anyway, um, so the counselor was in there, and this counselor at one time was one of my teachers that I coached. So here I am. Tide has changed. I go in there. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I've got to take care of this. I got to take care of it now. I can't find anybody, but I've got a girl who left my room crying because some of the boys did something that that was not nice. And I said, I just need to, I need, I need to know what to do. And she, she helped me through it. But while I was telling her what happened, I couldn't help it. I was really hurting for this little girl and I, and I cried. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm just going to have to cry right now. And she said, it's okay. How many times have I cried on your shoulder? You know, because I used to be her coach. And then she said, you know what, Pam? The thing is, uh, you were my coach and you always had answers. And I said, but I don't have any more answers today. I mean, I was, she goes, well, what would you say to yourself if you were your coach? And I said, well, if I was coaching me right now, I'd say, go home after today, finish today, do your best. Don't let this, don't let this define your whole day. Go home, get some rest and come back tomorrow and start it all over again and do your best. But whatever you do, do something. Don't do nothing, do something. And so I did. I took my own advice. I went home. I made sure I went to bed a little bit earlier than usual. And then I got up kind of a little more fresh, refreshed. And um, I changed a seating chart in that room, changed it all around, made sure that little girl was sitting so close to me that nobody could ever hurt her again. And I did something. I mean, it might not be whatever, but I mean, I did something. And I also we got incident reports. I did all the other stuff that we were supposed to do. But at that moment in time, I was lost because everything I wanted to do, I couldn't do right then because nobody was there except for the counselor. And so I just had to go in and cry. But I thought it was kind of neat that in, in hindsight that somebody that I had helped was now helping me cope with something that I probably on a regular day being a little bit more removed, would know what to do. But when you're right there in the middle of the heat of the moment, I'm going to go back to talking about appraisers. My very first appraiser that I ever had, Mr. Jones, Dr. Jones, Dr. Carl Jones, said, Pam, I know you're brand new at this, but when it comes to discipline, always do something. Never sit back and do nothing. Do something. And so that was the advice I fell back on, the very first advice I ever got. And um if it didn't do anything, the little girl that I put in the heart that group, I pulled them closer to me, the ones that were injured by this situation. I made sure they were sitting closer to where I typically talk. And the next day they had a smile on their face. I checked on them and uh they seem to be better today. And they were showing me, look, Miss Ochoa, look how much I wrote today. And so they were all excited. They felt, you know, at least I cared. And I think that's all you can do sometimes, especially when you're stressed, is go home, get some rest, and start again tomorrow, but do something. 
and I second that. One of the greatest pieces uh, I've ever read. It was from Eckhart Tolle. He's, uh, you know, a philosopher, a leader. He he talks about facts are sobering. When in doubt, look at the facts and act. Similar concept. So, yeah, I think that's that's great advice, Mister Cho. But that's all we have for this. But I said we we're gonna do an hour, and we're at fifty nine minutes. What? Lo and behold, we fill an hour regardless of what happens. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is your bonus episode for September. We'll have another one here in August. Maybe we can do August. another or not August, October. Yeah, or you can go backwards. <laughs> Get one for October. October. Y'all are going to wait for a long time if we're doing one in August. (laughs) And honestly, we're sitting here thinking about the next training because the the last training we did where we kind of invited people was all about getting kind of the basics of craft and draft. I think the next one would be about going deeper, right? How do we deepen these things? Maybe do a deeper dive into lessons and and what they would look like. So let us know if you have any thoughts about what you want lessons to be like or the next training to be about. Patrons always get first dibs on topics, ideas, and everything else in between. So thank you so much for supporting us. Mm -hmm. That's Pamela Cho. I'm Jacob Chastain to know that we are here.